Love Made Bear presents Love the Conversation. The UK's first digitally interactive talk Bear. show hosted by radio and podcast host Dion London. Do not miss out on your chance to be part of some of the most explosive debates concerning culture, life struggles and community. Our rotating panel of experts and experienced individuals will kick off the conversation with 50-50 audience interaction. Join us on the 28th of April 2019 at 4.30pm at the Croydon Park Hotel. Tickets are £15 plus booking fee and available on Eventbrite. Just search for Love Laid Bear. Be part of the conversation. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning. Wherever you are in the world, you are through to another episode of Love Lay Bear. Now, I am, of course, your host, Dion. I hope you guys have had a uh, fantastic week. So um, last week, we actually had um, a good friend of mine, Dion, on, and she was talking about her postnatal depression that she experienced after having her first child we also spoke about self-esteem and you know just generally the things that mums kind of go through now this week I am very pleased to be joined a another by another good friend Danielle how are you good morning hi good morning good afternoon good evening to whoever's listening and hello to Dion hi. thank you for having me on that's okay so guys um Danielle and I have kind of known each other since like 2017 um but it almost feels like since January we've like literally almost seen each other like yeah or been speaking like all of the time crossing each other's paths like being at the same events being yeah like just yeah 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 very frequently (laughs) also guys so Danielle also won a Glow Mama Award. So if you go back to the website and look at the blog, um, she is the lady in the black dress standing next to me. So can you tell us what your nomination win was for? Okay, so my nomination was for Best Mumpreneur and I won that category. Um, really still can't believe it. I so know, right? excited. <laughs> I was so happy I had you down my vlog as well and we discussed and yeah, shared our uh-huh. awards and it was just such an amazing event. I mean, it's something that we're going to continue to support, I know. 100%. And mm-hmm. um, we've just met so many wonderful mums yeah. through the event. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was really, really good. Okay, so um, today we're going to be talking about um, child loss. Um, and Danielle has very bravely you know, said that she would come on and talk about that with us. Now, Danielle, I mean, we've just come from the Glow Mum Awards. We're still, you know, glowing, yeah. essentially. <laughs> but, you know, you're you're a mum of two. Yes, I have two daughters. So what does motherhood mean to you? What, what does being a mum mean for you? Literally, being a mother is my main purpose I feel like it's my main purpose around everything else that I do being a mumpreneur um anything else that I create and that I'm, I'm part of motherhood is like top of the list so everything is around my daughters um as you know yourself motherhood is it's not just like oh I'm just a mum no yeah, one's ever just, just a mum that's very you've true. got to be there for them you've got to make sure they have the right morals values in life um even today, like just to get here, as you know, it was a challenge. Yeah. And after the school run, I had to do the school assembly. Um, then I was like at the doctors. One of my daughters have got allergies, and I was kind of you might as well say fighting with the doctor to get the EpiPen. And it, there's a lot of challenges that yeah. come with it. Mm-hmm. But being a mother is such a blessing. And I always say, we are chosen to be our children's parents. Absolutely, I so, agree. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I always say thank you so much, God, for choosing me to be Myra and Amelia's mother. So yeah, it's, it's just such a blessing. And we it's also, it's a journey for us. Yeah, honestly. It's it a is. new journey. When you become a mother, it's a new journey. Then you become like a mother again. And I thought, okay, I'm already a mum of one. And then Amelia came along and I'm like, okay, I'm learning new things still. Yeah. You're still growing. Mm. You're still learning with them. And even um, them being in school now, again, I feel like I'm going to be learning again. Yes, it's a whole new challenge, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So how old are your girls? So Maya is seven and Amelia is five. Right, okay. So, okay, so Amelia's just kind of starting 
Just yeah, started she's school? still in reception. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So she started in September. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> take us back um, mm-hmm. to, you know, when this whole kind of situation yeah. began. So, so how old were your daughters at the time? In 2016. So Maya would have been five and Amelia two three if i'm getting my maths right yeah so um early september 2016 so maya actually i don't think maya had turned five yet because she was born in on the 18th so yeah just before she turned five i think okay yeah so tell us the kind of background story so what what kind of happened so i was unaware of the ectopic pregnancy that i was having at the time I remember attending a wedding and it was an all white wedding mm-hmm. and I was really paranoid. So everybody had to wear white? Everyone had to wear white. Interesting. The guests, everyone had to wear white. And I was quite paranoid because I was thinking, I was getting stomach cramps. And you know, as women, you're thinking, oh my gosh, is this like yeah. mother nature coming? And I just remember I was paranoid for the whole like wedding reception and like I kept going to the toilet to like just check I was okay mm-hmm. and stuff and there was just this pain I was like I don't know what this pain is so anyway I stayed at my um sister's and my partner at the time had my two daughters at home I stayed at my sister's that night and all through the night like I couldn't sleep I was like I'm not one to take paracetamol mm-hmm. or tablets yeah. I will ride out the pain so I was just like oh I've got this awful stomach ache and I can't get to sleep um the next day, I still had pains, but I rode it out again throughout the whole day. We ended up going to do food shopping in Asta oh. really late at night. Um, it was a Saturday night, I think. and No, I think it was a Friday night. And um, I just remember I was in tears. By the time I got out of Asda, I was literally in tears. I sat in the car. I couldn't drive. My daughters were like, Mummy, you okay? Oh. Um my partner had asked like what was like what's going on what are the pains should we kind of call someone mm-hmm. so I remember calling 111 and I said to them like I'm in so much pain I can't move I've been in having these pains stomach pains since yesterday it's like a shooting pain now I can't even describe what it was like mm-hmm. and they sent me to an out of hours doctors or clinic so I hadn't been there before, but they advised when when you're on one one one. Sometimes they advise you to go to like the nearest nearest yes walking centre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so it was like a walking centre. And um, I'd remember I was just worrying. Oh my god, the girls are going to get to bed <laughs> late, late, and I'm taking dragging them around with me because again, as a mum, you're thinking about your children, and oh my yeah. gosh, I have to take them with me now to this clinic, and I don't know what's going on. Um, so yeah, so I was trying to be as calm as I could. The pain was getting worse. When we went into the doctor's surgery, it was completely empty, luckily. And as I was asked to go and give a urine sample, I remember going into the toilet and straight away, like, just seeing blood. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, am I having a miscarriage? That's the first thought I thought to myself because I was just like, this isn't normal. I didn't even think, like, it was a period or anything like that. So were you late? Were you aware that you were late? And you know what? I, I don't remember at the time if, if it was due or late or anything, but I just remember, like, anytime I get cramps, it's usually a few days before. Beforehand, okay. So mm. I just associated with that, and sometimes, you know, you can be late from stress or whatever anyway. Yeah. So I don't remember exactly back then what I was thinking, but I remember seeing the blood and thinking I'm having a miscarriage. Um, so I was, like, taken into the doctor's room, and my daughters were outside with my partner, and the doctor kind of examined me and was just really kind of, I remember just feeling like he was really just cold and Mm. he just said, oh, I think you're having a miscarriage. So um, there's nowhere open right now. So what you're gonna have to do is just like wear a pad, go home. It was really like, wow, is that how you tell someone you're having a miscarriage? Like, So just, just, just so we know, what hospital was this? I can't remember the name of it. It wasn't a hospital. It was. Oh, so you went. Okay, you went. You went in hospital. Right. Okay. It wasn't a hospital. It was an out of hours um, little doctor's surgery. Oh, I see. Okay. Wood kind of area, and I can't even remember because. I think at the time I was just so focused on like we put the address in the sat nav and just drove Drove there, there, yeah. And it's like 
I can't even remember now. Yeah, I can't remember. But it was like, you know, when someone just wants to go home sort of yeah. thing. I just remember him just being really just really cold. And so I asked, obviously, oh, can my family come in the room with me? Because you just told me this shocking news and it's kind of all a blur. Um, but yeah, so he his advice to me, this doctor, was to go home and rest as it was Friday and nothing could be done until Monday because the early pregnancy unit was not open. But if I was to have more pain to take paracetamol and if there was more blood or anything like that mm-hmm. to try and just go to A&E and, and see. Okay. Um, but nothing could be done till the Monday. So I was sent away. But I just remember something was just telling me, try and go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Something's not right. Something's not right. So I was on the phone to my mum. I was crying. I was like, mum, can you come look after the girls? I think I'm going to have to go to a and and I can't sleep another night because remember this would have been a second night now oh, that wow. I'm sleeping through pain okay and then obviously just finding that out that he's telling me I'm having a miscarriage I was like I don't want to just go home and leave it like I was mm-hmm. really distressed so um I remember like knocking at my neighbors neighbors weren't in so I ordered them to look after the girls I didn't want to take them again to A&E right so in the end my mom says she'll come pick them up from the hospital um and we we go to the hospital and kind of see what's happening so actually, I, w- I remember, this is like, so I remember being in a, a room, they had put me in just a little room and they were doing like blood tests and whatever, urine samples. And my mum came to get the girls. Now Maya, my seven year old, she is like very, she picks up on energy. She knows when okay. something's wrong. Mm-hmm. She was like, I am not leaving my mummy. Oh, she was bless. screaming. She was like, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. Um, Amila was a bit too young at the time so their dad obviously had to take them out with my mum so I was left in this room all by myself and I remember just feeling very faint like I was gonna go like I felt everything was like just going really just blurry Mm -hmm. really like white you know people say they see a white light everything was just really getting bright and I said I remember saying god like I'm, I'm not ready I'm not ready, God. I don't want to go. Wow. And that was like a moment. I think I've told probably like two other people that. And I just remember saying like, I don't want to go. I was all by myself. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to die right now. And I was just like, no, my kids have just left crying. I, I'm not going anywhere. Going anywhere, yeah. And I said it and I kind of, it was like a, a little energy came into me. And then like the doctors came back in and stuff like that. And they were just saying again, um... To, to go home there's there's no beds you have to go home sort of thing come back in the morning if you're still not well but again yeah we think it's a miscarriage and this was like we think you're having a miscarriage so all this time I'm not knowing what's going on mm-hmm. I'm feeling like I'm, I'm about to pass away yeah and I just got like this horrible horrible feeling so um I think we was there till very early hours of the morning I was given painkillers I did take painkillers because it, it takes a lot um, for me to take painkillers. But I was at mm-hmm. that point and I was just like, I need to take it. Went home, had a hot bath. Um, my mum actually stayed over. And the next day, uh, my partner had gone to work. So we went to the early pregnancy unit on the Saturday. So remember the doctor had said it wasn't open on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. We went online, saw that it was open. We went in first thing in the morning, went in um, and... Me, I remember going in and seeing all these pregnant women and then obviously being told that I was having a miscarriage. The first thought in my head was like, oh my gosh, women in my situation, this is a terrible place to yes. to mm-hmm. have to be coming to when you're having a miscarriage to see in all these the other same women. room yes. mm-hmm. as the pregnant, like happy, like newly pregnant women. And yep. that was what thought was running through my head. It wasn't about me. It was like, oh my gosh, how must people feel mm-hmm. when they come here? Something needs to be done about this. <laughs> so it was like, okay, I don't think I should be in the same room as all these happy new mums. I don't even know what's happening to my body right now. Um, I remember feeling really faint again. So I was seen fairly quickly because I was like, I was about to kind of pass out when mm-hmm. I went to get my number and my mum made a big fuss. She's very good at complaining. She made a big yeah, fuss. Yeah, my mum is too, yeah. <laughs> Take mum anywhere. Yeah. Get seen get straight to the front. Yeah, yeah. I take her everywhere with me. So um yeah, I just like 
I also, it was the same hospital, so it was St George's, and that's where I had my scans for my own Amelia. So I, I, I was kind of having like, is it called like nostalgia when you yes. kind of go back? And I was thinking about when I had my scans with them. It's mm-hmm. exactly the same place. And yes, yeah, so I was I was just feeling really sad and really down, um, worried. And then I finally got an internal scan done. So the doctor said after the internal scan, what they saw on the screen was actually that my whole um, like woman inside was filled with blood. <gasps> Oh my and god. So how did you feel when you heard that? They kind of said to me, right, we so imagine like you're thinking you're having a miscarriage and then you go in and they're like, actually you're having an ectopic pregnancy. So it's like the baby's actually still there, but it's stuck in your tube. So she was kind of explaining to me, mm-hmm. showed me on the screen and she said the reason why you're feeling faint is because the tube's kind of ruptured. So if we leave this any longer you would be dead. If you had come back on Monday, she she basically said you would be dead. Wow. Because the blood had already started leaking into my body from my fallopian oh tube. Oh my goodness. And I was just like, what? Um, I was seven weeks. And it, it kind of made sense because with my other two daughters, I found out around seven weeks. So that's always the time that I kind of find out right. um, when I'm pregnant. So... Yeah, it was seven weeks, they said. And they said, literally, that is a very long time for ectopic pregnancy to be in your body for seven weeks. And any longer, the tube would have just erupted and you can die from that. Um, So, yeah, the blood had been leaking into my abdominum. um, And they just said, yeah, I would have died if I'd listened to the doctor. So I got told at that time that they had to take me straight to be operated on. I do not know. I, w- I I hadn't cried yet at that point. I cried when they were explaining to me, and my mum was sitting next to me, when they were explaining to me, like, okay, the baby's there, there's nothing we can do to save the baby or the pregnancy. So, And that's when I kind of broke down. And when they said I had to be operated on, because I was just thinking, again, oh my gosh, I can't have an operation now. Like, what, what about oh, my children? children what about, yeah. What's going to happen? I'm, I'm by myself. I can't. What are you going to do? Like, I didn't understand. And I was thinking it was kind of going to be an operation... Um, similar to like a cesarean so then I was thinking oh my gosh you're gonna like cut me open mm-hmm. there were so many things going through my mind and again looking back at it now I really think that people women in that situation need to see someone no matter how urgently they need to be operated on there needs to be someone there that they can talk to as a counsellor or I as guess. someone mm. I mean they did say okay it has to be urgent but I was still waiting for about two hours until they could put me ahead of the next person mm-hmm. because it was emergency. In those two hours, I could have seen a counsellor. I feel like I needed to see someone. Yeah. Um, so I only really had my mum there with me. Um, so that was, yeah, I, I felt... So at that specific time, how were you feeling? I remember feeling, one, worried about what was going to happen to my children... Um, two, what was going to happen to my body? They had also told me they had to, they would have to remove my right fallopian tube, as well. Wow! So I was getting all of this information, like right in two hours' time, you're going to be having this operation. You're actually having a topic, not a miscarriage. We're actually taking away your tube. So I was feeling angry at, and let down by my body. I remember I was thinking to myself, why? Why didn't it just do the right thing? Yeah. Could it have been like something that I'd done? Like I was just thinking all this stuff. Um, and I was angry at the doctor that told me to go home. The first one or the yeah, second the one? the first one from yeah. the Friday um, that I said go home till Monday. Because essentially, you, like you said, the you could have been I dead. I would have been dead yeah. by, literally by Sunday. Like I would not have made it to Monday. She was like, you would not have made it here on wow. Monday. And again... The A&E had told me that the early pregnancy unit wasn't open on the yeah, Saturday morning. Uh-huh. So it was because I was in so much pain, my mum and I decided to like, okay, let's just see if we can go anywhere. And we saw that it was open still and that they dealt with like miscarriages and stuff. So I just had all these different emotions. I was just praying and praying um, while I was waiting to go down to the theatre. I was mm-hmm. praying. By that time, a bit more of my family had arrived. So they were kind of there at the beginning um, yeah, I just, I didn't, I was just really confused. What was, was your, what, what was your biggest fear, like, at that time? 
Um, oh, I have to think back. <laughs> it wasn't, I wasn't worried about them removing my tube because they had said that if I did want to conceive again, I think it only took away like 20% chance or something okay. like that. Oh, wow, okay. It was literally, it was more like the operation side of it. Mm -hmm. I was just scared and I was just thinking, well, what is going to happen to me? And it was the whole, okay, you could have died. So, yeah, it was just all happening so fast. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to prepare myself that I would be having this operation done. Yeah. And I was just being told. So it's like, yeah, I couldn't say no. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're going to theatre in two hours. We're going to do keyhole surgery on you and we're going to take your tube out. So it's like, it's the fear of the unknown. Yeah. It's the fear of not having control over what's going to happen to yourself, mm -hmm. your body. Um, and again, losing, losing a child. Yeah. yeah. Because seven weeks, to me... And this is what I was arguing with the nurse, that it was a baby, because they kept calling it cells. They kept saying, it's not a baby, it's cells. Because I was really? asking to have the baby. Because, um, you know, sometimes you can, like, cremate, or the the nurses will sometimes in the hospital, um, like, cremate the baby or the child mm -hmm. for you, or give it to you, and you can do what you want. But they kept saying to me, it sells, it sells, it sells. And I was very adamant that I wanted my cells and mm -hmm. I wanted my baby because I was going to probably cremate the baby after. Um, yeah, it, it's losing losing a child. And I remember one of the nurses was really bad when I was waiting to go in. So again, I was by myself. And it was like a porter that takes you into the room. So I was just lying there. It seemed like forever. I was just lying on the bed. And they asked, is it my first pregnancy? Because they knew that I was going in for the top it operation mm -hmm. and I said no I've got two daughters and she turned around she said to me well at least you've got children already and I was like well, wow what? I was like okay whether I had 20 children it doesn't matter or no mm. children I'm still losing a child right now for you to say that before I go into surgery mm. like I'm so sorry like I didn't have the right frame of mind at the time to kind of get her name and report her and stuff yeah. like that. but that is the kind of attitude that they had when I was there Wow. And it's just like, well, at least you've got two kids, so... And that was before I even went into the surgery. So, and again, I was I was alone. So, yeah. Um, after my operation, so after they did the surgery, I woke up in the room. So I remember waking up and everyone was, like, around my bed, which was really nice to see, like, all my family around my bed. I don't oh, okay. remember what happened after I went into the room for surgery. I don't remember waking up because you know you usually wake up in theatre sometimes yeah uh -huh. don't remember that part or I just woke up I was back in the hospital room yeah. so um yeah my family was around me and everything and um yeah I just I thought that I would feel different in my body I know it sounds silly but I thought like because they'd taken out a tube, tube you might I thought a little I bit, would yeah. feel different um but I didn't so yeah I, I didn't feel different I was in pain but I didn't feel like something was missing. Mm -hmm. Like, even now, sometimes I have to remember, oh, I haven't got a right tube. Like, mm -hmm. I, I forget. Yeah. It's, it's not something, like, you can feel. Obviously, I've got two small, very small scars um, by my stomach, on my stomach. And, yeah, so I saw the scars, obviously, when I woke up. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, how so what the, was it, like, keyhole surgery? Yeah, so they done okay. one on the left and one on the right. So I've got like two scars on each side where they've done the surgery. Um, so I remember looking at that. And then again, it was a whole palava to get the baby. They ended up bringing like a little box though. And they brought the baby to us, which oh, okay. is what we had asked for. But I couldn't look at it. So I, I've never looked at it in that box. So Yeah, yeah that, that would have been quite I, hard. I didn't. I just, I mm. wanted to know that I had it. So... My mum and, and my partner at the time, they looked at it, but I didn't. I was just like, no, I don't, I don't want to see it. I just want to know that I've got my baby mm -hmm. sort of thing. I've got my baby. Um, so I had to stay in hospital after that for a few days. That was doing nothing. I am not a fan of doing nothing. <laughs> it drove <laughs> me crazy. And then I was told that I would have to spend 
three out of the six weeks that it would take me to recover, just resting and doing nothing. Wow. And mm-hmm. this was at the beginning of September, my daughter's birthday, and it was her fifth birthday on the 18th of September. Oh, two days so in that time, was it two days before? Yeah. And it's three days before my mum. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> so wow. Virgos. <laughs> so I remember I was, I just was planning her birthday and... I know it's naughty, but I went to her birthday, well, obviously I went to her birthday party that I'd yeah. planned, but um, I just sat down and was told not to do anything, and that was probably about, yeah, two weeks after it happened, and I did try and rest as much as I could, um, and also I remember it was her first day starting school. Wow. Yeah. And it was the week, so she started school, so my eldest daughter started school, reception the week after I came out of hospital and they told me that I couldn't do anything for three weeks and I was like there's no way in hell I'm not taking my daughter to her first day of school yeah of course yeah. so I walk I remember walking her in so slowly because I had to kind of get back on my feet and like it walking was a pain driving was pain it mm-hmm. was like being pregnant again but a different kind of pain so it's like because I remember in my pregnancies after a certain amount of months I couldn't drive it was really uncomfortable I had to wear like a pelvic um, belt oh, as well. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. I had a lot of trouble with my pelvis, and yeah, so I took her into school. Mm-hmm. Didn't listen to the doctors. Took her in, but thank God, like I, I still healed and everything, and I did rest. I, I only broke the rules for the first day of school and her mm-hmm. birthday <laughs> because I mean, you're not going to get another first day of school. You're not going to get another yeah. birthday, and I had my family around supporting me, so I felt supported and loved. Yeah, and I I think that's that's it. I I was really supported by the um, ectopic charity, and I did oh, okay. a lot of research after that online, um, just to kind of clue myself up about facts mm-hmm. and to tell myself like it wasn't me as well. It's no fault of mine that that yeah. happened, and you do you do feel kind of guilty when things like that happen, whether it's a miscarriage or ectopic pregnancy sometimes you feel like what why is my body not working properly mm, why has it happened to me yeah so yeah and I, I explained to my children as well um a few months after I don't I'm not sure I can't remember why it took a few months but a few months after we got the baby cremated so okay. I've got a little urn at mm-hmm. home which is lovely and my daughters know that it's the baby it's, it's our, our baby angel Oh. I've spoken to them about it. They they asked me questions up to like Christmas, last Christmas, and they were like, "Mummy, do you remember when you was in hospital?" Because Maya still remembers. Do you remember when you was in hospital and you lost the baby? Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah," because I told them when when they came to see me, I said what was happening. Mm-hmm. I'm very um, open with them, mm-hmm. and so I just let them know what was going on because I knew they were worried. I knew they were yeah. scared seeing mummy in hospital. Their mummy's not allowed to bend down and pick stuff up and mummy's not allowed to walk around Mm -hmm. so it's important to just be honest with your children so you've woken up sorry just to go Mm, back a bit so you've you've woken up and you know you've got your you've got your family around you now obviously this was a very big shock because a you didn't know you were pregnant yeah then you know you're apparently having a miscarriage then all of a sudden you're being rushed into theatre having the tube removed What was your emotional state like in that time? Because, the, cause, you know, you've you said that it was very important for you to actually have the baby. Because, you know, most people probably wouldn't, Yeah. you know. So, obviously, not knowing that you were pregnant, then suddenly finding out, mm. did you did you feel a sense of attachment in that, in that period did, of time? I did, yeah. I felt as if it was... It was as real or as painful or as hurtful as if you had to give birth to like a stillborn. Mm-hmm. I think any kind of loss of a child is the same pain. So whether it's a miscarriage, ectopic pregnancy, having to give birth to a stillborn, going like the full term, going seven weeks, even though it's only seven weeks in, it's like that was still my child. Mm-hmm. I felt very confused still. I remember they gave me the wrong medication as well. There was so much going on. I just felt like it was like I was in a dream. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I had to stay in extra days in the hospital was because I was actually allergic to one of the medications they had given me. But I was so weak, I didn't know what they were giving me. 
Because after okay. surgery, they're giving me something, and then I was getting side effects, and I was getting really, really bad migraines and pain, and then it had codeine, and I'm okay. allergic to codeine. Oh, I see. And they would have known that if they had saw my notes. So that's why they had to keep me into hospital an extra few days. So there was right. so much just going on, and I remember as well one of the days I woke up because I was in and out of sleep as well. You know, like when your days just blur. That's mm-hmm. kind of what it was like. So from mm-hmm. that Friday. Until I left that hospital, I don't even know what day it would have been, probably the Wednesday after. It was like, what is happening to my mm. life? Like, what's going on? Um, and my god sister was there one day and she was just like praying over the bed. And then I said, can you please pray with me? And like, mm. she held my hand and we prayed together. And yeah, I just wanted to be strong. I just was focused on getting better. Yeah. That was my main focus. So after it was all done, it's like, you can't change what's happening. You can't change what's happened. All you can do is move forward. Mm-hmm. So it was, I'm very much like, okay, so this is happening. I can't control it, but what can I do next? What can I still do about it? Mm-hmm. What can I do to like raise awareness? I wrote the blog. What can I do to help other people? But then saying that I wrote the blog a, a year, it took me about a year to write the blog. Why did it take you so long? I think just going back to it and the pain and everything. It took a few months to actually do the cremation as well. But obviously I was recovering and stuff. Um, I did speak about it, but I really wanted to just raise awareness. And I actually wrote the blog after my sister had had my nephew. Okay. So I feel like I wanted to kind of, it brought up a lot for me because mm-hmm. he had just been born and she had complications with her, um, with the birth. Okay. And there was a moment there where we thought, oh my gosh, like, is is she going to be okay? Is the baby going to be okay? And that brought up so much for me that day. And I remember, because I had left the hospital and my mum called me and was like, Dan, are you like, have you stopped driving? Um, they rushed your sister to surgery for a cesarean and I spun back around that car. Wow. <laughs> and I just remember I was crying my eyes out all the way to the hospital. I was praying to God. I was like, please God, please God, please God, don't let anything happen to her baby. Mm-hmm. And I think after that, I just wanted to kind of share and I realised like it was still something that was in my heart Mm -hmm. and I wanted to share with other parents and other mothers who had been through it and give them that support. Sometimes sharing your story can bring value to other Mm. people. So how, so how, when would the baby have been due like in comparison to your sisters? Oh, um, so I was, I was seven weeks in September. Oh, you guys helped me work this out. So when I, when it was 2016, September, I think I would have had my baby in May. Mm-hmm. Then my sister had my nephew in November. Okay. Of 2017. Of 2017. Okay. I think. No way, that doesn't... No, I would have had my baby in 2017 of May. And then... And then... Yeah. And then he was... Mm, yeah, so my sister would have had, yeah, had hers in November 2017. So yeah, so they would have been very close in age. Okay. So I always say like, and it's so crazy, but it's so lovely because her son is so like attached to me. Oh, that's And nice. I feel like there's a little baby, my little baby angel was watching over him yeah. sort of thing. So it's, re- it's really lovely. It's really lovely. And I do remember her saying she was scared to tell me and I thought why are you scared to tell he's pregnant? She was just like, just because of what you went through. Went through, yeah. And I was just like, no, my God, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. So, so happy. But was it, but was it at the same time difficult? No, because it was a a good few months after. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just felt like really sad that she felt like she couldn't tell me at the beginning when Mm -hmm. she first found out. I think she left it a couple of weeks. And she was like, I want to tell you, Dan, but I know that what you've been through and I don't want to like Absolutely. I don't want to yeah bring yeah. anything up yeah yeah and I was just like Shan if anything this has made me over the moon that there's there is an actual baby, baby coming into coming, the family yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it, it's been lovely it, it has been really nice and as I said my daughters they're aware mm-hmm. that we've got our little tiny urn at home and they know that's their little baby angel brother or sister yeah so um they ask questions I answer so mm-hmm. Yeah. So did so did the loss of your baby did that have like any effect on your relationship? Um at the time 
I remember I was doing a lot of researching like by myself. So I would go online because obviously um, he was working and stuff. So my partner at the time was working. And so I would be at home and I would just go online and I think it's called the Ectopic Pregnancy Trust. I was on their website a lot and that helped me and that mm. was kind of like counselling to me and just, yeah, speaking about it. Don't keep things to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very open person so I would speak and say, I don't feel like this today and I feel sad and yeah, and I'd have like up and down days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think sometimes, you know, when when childless childless occurs, mm. I think everyone tends to rally around the mother a lot, don't they? Yes. And I think sometimes men can just kind of feel a bit lost. Or lost. Like, where, where where do I come in? Yeah. yeah. Where, where where do I fit in? Because I it's feel like, like I was I was very um, I was conscious of that, and I did want to include him as much as possible. So even down to kind of the urn and, and choosing the urn and going to the funeral directors and stuff like that. But then at the same time, I feel like he was kind of like, okay, what is what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Because again, people treat men like that, but the men also see it as it's their partner's loss as well. Mm. And remember, it's a lot more real for us having that happen to our bodies. Yeah. Whereas for our partners or husbands... Um, it's them looking from the outside in. Mm. Whereas it's different if the baby's born and then they can kind of get involved in everything and in the whole pregnancy. But like this happened over a weekend. It's like, it didn't even feel real. Yeah. So a part of it, I understand like where kind of the understanding may not have come in to how like how are you feeling or mm-hmm. where he may not have been in touch with his own emotions about it mm-hmm. because it is it's not real for them if that yeah. makes sense yeah it's, but yeah it's real because it's happening but it's happening to your partner and it's happening to yeah. your wife and you would yeah you would have been the dad but i don't it's it's such a tricky one i mm-hmm. don't know i don't think enough men actually talk about it and yeah. i don't think enough men talk to their partners when they do go through things like this Mm. and I had to learn as well that my loss was not any less significant to anyone else's because a couple of weeks after I found out that one of my young um, dancers that I had taught she had actually had to give birth to a stillborn and I remember my first thoughts like I was reaching out to her we was connecting I was supporting her and I was thinking to myself Dan like could have been so much worse you could have had to give birth and then something said to me like like it's still a loss yeah Mm. it is still a loss like don't think that okay it could have been worse Mm. and so be grateful for what happened sort of thing like it's still a loss in any Mm. way no one's pain is greater than anyone else's so yeah yeah, it was it was hard I think I that in that year I probably came across about three people that lost babies and yeah did it kind of bring it back for you every time yeah yeah Definitely. And I would share my experience as well with them and kind of use that to help support them through mm-hmm. it. There's all people I could speak to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because obviously we do have a lot of male listeners. Um, if mm. you're at... We do have a lot of male listeners um, who tune into Lovely Bear. So what advice would you give, you know, to a man whose partner... Um, has gone through child loss or they've experienced it as a couple you know what advice would you give to a man um, don't be afraid to share your feelings don't hold back on how you're feeling because you feel like it should be all about your wife or your partner I know at the time they're the person that has carried the child and has lost the child but you've also had a loss and I feel like not speaking about it can build up and it can affect your relationship as well um whether it's just talking to if you feel like you can't speak to your partner maybe a close another close male that you could speak to about it Mm. but I don't think to hold in your own feelings you're you're bound to have your own feelings and I feel like 
sometimes us women we can get caught up with our own how we're feeling at the yeah. time mm-hmm. so we won't check in on the man like you said everyone rallies around the mum okay yeah. you've just mm-hmm. had the loss dad's just there to support you so don't be afraid to kind of speak out and say I want support too I need support too also research and get onto websites that are there to support and do it together as a couple mm-hmm. so actually get together um counseling I I feel like everyone that goes through this needs some sort of support, therapy, counselling, because there's a lot of guilt, there's a lot of blame, there's a lot of feeling not good enough, there's a lot of, um, like, self-esteem, the self-esteem goes down. I'd say it's only been in, like, the last year and a half that I felt good about my body. Really? Because of the surgery, and obviously I've got the two scars, Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, it it takes time. It's something that wasn't planned. And so it takes time to gain back that self-esteem in yourself. Mm -hmm. And then as well, if you've got other children already, so it's like you have to be strong for the children that are already there while grieving at the same time. So I'd say to the the men, yeah, just don't be afraid to speak out. Um, Sometimes you can be forgotten. So don't be afraid to kind of reach out to someone else if you feel like you can't reach out to your partner at that time and you do want to just kind of be there just to support her, but you feel like you are also going through pain and grief, just speak out to somebody. Mm. Do you think it's, um, I guess it's probably an obvious question, but do, do you think you ever really get to truly grieve as much as you need to when you already have children there? Mm, that's a good question. I don't, I don't think you do. And it can be, it can be like an intentional distraction. Mm. For me, I don't like any bad, bad vibes or feeling down or Mm -hmm. I'm very like positive and happy and I'll be like there to cheer you up sort of thing. So when it's me going through something, I will, I don't really like people to kind of, come around like sympathy and I'm like I'm okay I'm okay I'm I'm all right but at the same time I'm not scared to ask for help but I just I remember feeling at that time I've still got to be strong for my daughters I can't be moping around the house crying Hmm. and I did have a few down days and I would have a cry and for the cremation I didn't take the girls it was just me and my partner Mm -hmm. and we'd done the cremation I didn't take anyone at all it's just Mm -hmm. us um and then I I showed them the urn and everything but yeah I don't think you do because your focus is on keeping everything normal yeah and keeping everything moving like I said like first day of school um fifth birthday party you had you just had to you still had to be there you still had to kind of you have to be present in what's going on you have to smile already Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you just like kind of you grow through it, you grow through the pain, you smile through the pain, and then there might be like some days where you think back, and like even I saw a picture of myself a couple of months after that, of the wedding that I went to in the all white, and mm. obviously it, now it just brings back bad memories, because mm. it's like, okay, that that day, I was actually going through ectopic pregnancy, yeah. and I was getting the pains, and it was taught me as well to listen to your body, hundred percent. Listen to your... Don't be stubborn. Like, I am the most stubborn person when it comes to taking tablets and taking myself to the doctor. I will ride out pain and be like, no, I, I can wait. But if anything's wrong with my children, I'm oh, making gosh. doctor's yeah, appointments yeah, straight yeah, away. Yeah. So why don't we do that for ourselves? Mm. Why aren't we giving ourselves that same self-care? Yeah. So it's so important. Just if you don't feel right, trust your instincts. I'm so happy that I trusted my instincts on that Friday night and that and, Saturday and morning. And went back. And went yeah. back. And again, it was just, I listened to my inner voice telling me, you need to go back. Something's not right. Something's not right. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, I think a lot of time we put our faith into um, doctors. Other people. And other people. And, you know. They're human just like us. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And he made a mistake. He, He just came to his own assumption of what was going on without sending me to the proper place or doing a proper internal scan or examination. And yeah, that could have cost my life. Mm -hmm. And 
there's nothing that would have brought that back. So yeah, we have we do have to be very careful in who we put our trust in, and always just never be afraid to get a second opinion. Yeah, never be afraid, and don't just take their word for it. If you feel like something's wrong in your body, you mm-hmm. just go with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're now what two? We're coming up to three years. Yeah, coming up to three years later. Yeah. So, how would you say you know you are now day to day? Do 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 you feel like you've nearly healed from it? Are you are you not far off from where you started? Mm, I feel like I have healed from it, um, because I've taken that time to do that. I've taken that time to grieve, to write, to to blog, to talk, mm-hmm. to reach out for help, to. Um, do all of that but I've been aware that I can't just um, ignore it and it's going to disappear Yeah. and lock it away and a part of it I feel like in my brain there are like different parts that I can lock lock stuff away Um, I remember feeling a bit anxious coming here today oh really? yeah because I was thinking oh I'm going to have to bring it all back up again and Mm. how am I going to feel and am I going to feel sad and I actually feel in a totally different space like I feel like this is the time where I can actually speak up about it. Whereas before I blogged because I could only write it. Write I feel it. like I couldn't mm-hmm. have expressed in words without like breaking down and crying. And mm-hmm. um, what's really beautiful as well is that the year after the Atopic Pregnancy Trust sent me like a a bauble. Oh, and it's nice. got an angel, so it's an ectopic angel in it. And we put that at our tree every Christmas. Oh, that's so nice. So it's a Christmas bauble. They're really oh. supportive. Um, I've raised money for them as well with my dance company um, the year after. Oh, and they're just God. such a huge support system. And, I mean, that wasn't even face-to-face. That was all online. Wow. So, like I said, there's help out there. There's support out there. You just go online, you find it. And you just get that help and mm. just make sure you take time out to give yourself that self-care and yeah. build back up your self-esteem. And mm. whether whether or not you've got children, I, I remember there was a weekend I just had to myself. I just said to my mum, can you just have the children and can I just, just take some time mm-hmm. for me? And you need that sometimes. Self-care is so important and I think that... It's it's good that you it's good that you did that because mm. you, you said earlier about being intentionally distracted. Yeah, I know, you know? when I'm doing it now. <laughs> I know when I'm doing it, and sometimes I have to stop myself and be like, Dan, why are you throwing everything into doing this? Like, what are you? What are you avoiding? avoiding? Mm. Yeah, what are you avoiding? What are you avoiding? Like, I used to say a lot. Um, you know, everyone, well, most people have their vices. You know, whether it be smoking, whether it be drinking, whether it be overeating, whether it be overexercising, whether it be any different thing, you need to really pull yourself back and sit down and say, why am I behaving like this? Yeah. And, you know, that's the reason for this platform, because, you know, you see, you, you know, I'm sure we both know a lot of people that probably smoke way too much weed than they need Mm -hmm. to you know um and i'm just using that as an example but you know when we have these vices it's because there's something that we're not dealing with yeah and we need to because all, all all that you're doing is kind of i always use this analogy um when i when i did when i was doing therapy it was like I had convinced myself that I, you know, was okay. I loved myself. I was confident. Mm. I was all of these things. And the analogy I used was like, I'm at the front of my house. My lawn is clear. My house is shining. The windows are sparkly. And I'm out there waving. But actually, if you go in my back garden and go into the garage (laughs) at the back, there's all this stuff that like literally is fighting to get out but I've like literally barricaded it with nails (laughs) and 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 locked it in you know and it's and for me it's not until I actually went to therapy that I had to relearn about who I was because Mm. there were so many things I just kind of you know packed and bombarded away um and 
it is it is so self-realization is such a it's a painful thing because yeah. when you when you think you know who you are you think you know what you stand for and especially when you think you love yourself then for someone to kind of literally bust open that garage door and all of this mess starts to kind of yeah i love that analogy flood out yeah. you're kind of you're a bit, you're a bit winded you're a bit like Oh my god! Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, I forgot that was there. Yeah, I forgot oh. that was back there, locked oh, away. Yeah, I, I remember. That's why it's so important to deal with it. Yeah, it's so important to deal with it at the time, and because it's always going to come out hmm. eventually in some way or another. Like you said, like it could lead to you starting to have a bad habit, and you don't know where that's come from. Yeah, or some like some sort of trigger. Mm-hmm. If I, I feel like if I didn't deal with it, I could be like. Um, anytime I see a, a, a baby or like at the time after it I could have been like right if I see a newborn baby I could have had like feelings of oh my gosh like just go back into that grieving mm. state because I didn't deal with it and I didn't want to feel like that yeah. anytime I saw a new baby or someone pregnant so mm. I, w- I was able to heal from my experience so that I don't have negative thoughts around anyone else yeah so, so you spoke about you know the fact that you did um, lots of writing and stuff like that. So, what yeah. other what other things or what other things did you do or use to kind of help you in your healing um, process? I am a huge, huge fan of positive affirmations. Fantastic. So, writing things down, affirming things to yourself. Um, I am good enough. I am a good mother. I am loved. I am healthy. And I feel like that also helps me to heal as well, mm-hmm. heal quicker because you're 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 speaking into existence. You're speaking that you are recovering, um, you're okay, you're healthy again, mm-hmm. and it's okay. It's gonna be okay. So affirmations definitely played a big part in me building up my self love, my self esteem, me um, healing mm-hmm. in the right way, and communication communicating and just saying I don't feel okay today it's okay to be not it's okay not to be okay okay. yeah it's okay not to be okay so just telling someone I'm not I feel a bit rubbish today yeah I don't feel good and you might not even know why yeah you might not even be related to Mm -hmm. that it could just be a feeling that came with it and you haven't identified why you're feeling like that Mm. but Instead of just putting on a, a fake smile, just say, I'm not feeling good today. I'm yeah. feeling a bit deflated. My my energy, my vibration is a bit low. Mm-hmm. And just being true to you, yeah. being authentic. Like you said, like, eventually that shed is going to bust open. Yeah. If you keep just putting all your feelings and running away from confronting how you feel. Mm-hmm. And from when I was really, really young, so this is something I used to do. Like, if I knew I was going to get into trouble about something, my mindset was always like, if I tell my mum now, I will get into trouble, but by next week she'll forget. Or by Wow, I don't know any kids that think like that. <laughs> I was thinking like that from like 12, 13. I was like, just tell the truth now, because I know by next week, when I want to go to that party, yeah. she'll have forgotten. <laughs> Instead of her finding out. Next week. So I've always had that. And I always know like, okay, so I can kind of visualise that in the next six months, Dan, you're not going to feel like this. Yeah. So deal with it now cry or you need to cry hurt or you need to hurt Mm. you're gonna get through it I'm always able to see the light at the end which I feel is a gift and I love that I can actually Mm -hmm. do that because a lot of people it's like their current state and their current situation is where they're at they can't see past Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and unfortunately that's why we have as well so much like depression yes Mm -hmm. and suicides Mm -hmm. um especially now in our young people. I work a lot with young people. And I do understand where they're coming from that at that moment in time, that is the end of their world. At that moment in time, sometimes they need that other voice to say, no, in five years time, in two years time, you're going to get through that. Yeah. And you're not going to feel the same. Even in six months time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it is important to speak to yourself in that way, but Mm -hmm. also to sometimes other people need to hear it as well. Yeah. Anything else? That um, <laughs> not really. I I just feel like once again, if you don't heal 
from your experiences. Mm-hmm. You can't. You're, you're not going to move forward. Yeah, 100%. You feel like you're moving forward physically. But you're not but really. emotionally, mentally, yeah. you're not moving forward. Mm-hmm. So you just need to address it at the time. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful for just all the support that I had around me at that time. Mm-hmm. And now I am extremely grateful like to you to give me this platform. And also that I can actually use my experience to help, to help other people. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Because I think, you know, um, I... But basically, what I want to do is I want to, like, host um, some workshops. It's, like, one of the first ones I want to do is specifically for women who have experienced child loss. Because I know so many women that have been through it and they never have anyone to Mm. talk to. You know, don't get me wrong, you have your friends or whatever, but... You know, I was. I would love to have like a kind of a little, a little mini hub of women that have been through the same things. We can just sit down in a. You know, I've experienced miscarriage myself, yeah. so I understand. You know, yeah. what loss kind of feels like, and especially when you didn't even know mm. if that makes sense. You yeah. know, um, but yeah, I would love. I would love. I, I want to call it like the kind of self sessions. So there's something that I do want to definitely do this year. I mean, if you'd be yeah, up for sounds amazing, you know, I'd totally be up for it. Yeah, it sounds for that. amazing. Yeah, be, yeah we all need to support each other. Yeah, and um, just one other thing as well is that our grandparents' generation, thinking back to when you just said about getting support, my gran and my nan have had so many miscarriages. Yeah, and the more people you talk to in that generation, it's so sad. Like they. And it was kind of like normal. Yeah. It was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I had four miscarriages and Yeah. And they didn't have any support at that time. Mm. It was like, Okay, you've lost your child, you have to continue, keep going. Keep going, yeah. Yeah. There's no time to grieve. Because I feel now even when I do speak to my grandparents about it, there's still that kind of hurt and there's still that that space where they haven't actually grieved. Mm. They didn't get the chance to grieve and they didn't um, get a chance to even bury their children sometimes. Wow. So it, it is sad. It's, it's good that we're in this generation now where we do have all the support around us, but thinking back to our older, our olders and what they had to go mm. through as well. It must be it very makes hard. You think Love. Yeah. Laid. Bear. Danielle, thank you so much for coming on and kind of sharing your experience with us um you are the first to kind of um you know open up about child loss and from an ectopic pregnancy perspective as well so thank you so much thank you um so where can we find you what's next for you you know Mm. what can we what can we expect from (laughs) the secret diary of a mumpreneur (laughs) so you can find me on instagram um, so my main personal page is Danielle L2D and then my blog page is Secret Diary of a Mumpreneur. All one word, no spaces, anything. Um, I'm not on Twitter, I only, I only do Instagram and then also my Danielle bio. Um, I run a dance company, an empowerment project for girls and boys. I am a nutrition coach as well. So you could find all those three pages in that bio. So I'm kind of like juggling the Instagram pages. Mm. So I'm managing five pages at the moment. But that is my main social media handle, Instagram. Mm. So that's where you can find me. I am in the middle of planning and organising a community fun day for Easter. Oh, my lovely. dance company. Okay. That is the 20th of April. Nice. And that will be my next event. And then during the summer, I'll be doing a big 15-year showcase to celebrate wow. 15 years of, of my dance company. Yeah. Amazing. High five. Thank you. <laughs> 15 so, yeah. years. So planning, lots of planning to do. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I'm like, 15 years? Really? Wow. wow. And it, it, it makes me laugh because um, I was at my nan's yesterday and she turned around and said to me, are you still doing that dance thing or are you going to find a real job? <laughs> I was like, Nan, this is my real job. I've been doing it for 15 years now. It's my real job. So it's, again, that generation is so funny. 
But um, also, I've, I am a month in now with mm-hmm. my vlog, with my YouTube channel. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so where can we find you? So that is Secret Diary of a Mumpreneur on YouTube. And also, guys, if you haven't seen my Instagram, I featured actually on yes. Danielle's um, YouTube channel. You we had a nice interview, <laughs> pop some Prosecco to celebrate yeah, our Mum Award win. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, check, check that out. Do subscribe, follow. Please do share, subscribe. Any mumpreneurs out there that want to join me on the discussions, get in touch. I'm happy to have you on the show. Okay, lovely. All right, Danielle, well, I'd like to say thank you again for coming on to Lovely Bear. Thank Lay you Bear. so much for having me. Um, guys, thank you for tuning in. Um, as always, take care of yourselves. I love you. Um, if you've been affected by anything that we have been spoke, spoken about today, um, do check out our resources page. I will put some um, links up on there. The ectopic pregnancy trust is yes. good one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we'll we'll get that we'll get all of those up on the mm. resources page. You know, alternatively, you know, feel free to contact and speak to me. You can email me on lovelaidbear at gmail.com. So you can email me at secretdiaryofamompreneur at gmail.com. Okay. All right, guys, have a fantastic week. Love you lots. Kisses. Bye. Bye. It's a wrap. Lovely Bear presents Love. The Conversation. The UK's first digitally interactive talk show hosted by radio and podcast host Dion London. Do not miss out on your chance to be part of some of the most explosive debates concerning culture, life struggles and community. Our rotating panel of experts and experienced individuals will kick off the conversation with 50-50 audience interaction. Join us on the 28th of April 2019 at 4.30pm at the Croydon Park Hotel. Tickets are £15 plus booking fee and available on Eventbrite. Just search for Love Laid Bear. Be part of the conversation.